Recovery Elevator episode 465. Like, how do I let go of this thing that is my kind of my identity? Like, you know, I it's what I did. It's what I did for fun. It's what I did to socialize. It's what I did to de-stress. And, you know, how can I do all these things without that? Welcome to the Recovery Elevator Podcast. My name is Paul Churchill, and I'm so excited to be here with you today. On today's episode, we have Kevin. He's 44 years old from Cleveland, Ohio, and took his last drink on April 28th, 2018. Great job, Kevin. I want to say thank you to all of our Cafe Ari chat hosts. You guys do an incredible job. I want to give a shout out to our Dry January Restore cohort. We're halfway there, and you guys are doing awesome. I'll see you guys tonight. We're coming up upon sober ukulele season. Our course starts January 27th, and we meet six weeks on Saturday at noon Eastern with a group of rock stars who are exploring life without alcohol and want to learn a new hobby in sobriety. So yes, you're going to learn how to play the ukulele, but you'll also learn how to use music as therapy and how sound vibrations can help you quit drinking. We've got four instructors lined up, so you'll find yourself in smaller practice groups often. Now, if you need to pick a ukulele up, Kala is sponsoring this course. I play a Kala ukulele and love it. Go to our landing page, link is in the show notes, thank you Robin, for a 15% off coupon if you need to pick up a ukulele. You've definitely got time before the first session. All right, and now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. Do you find yourself making extreme New Year's Eve resolutions? How has that worked out for you in the past? I'm a recovering perfectionist and changing my perspective on resolutions has really been helpful to me. Instead of huge goals and to-do lists, I choose now to work towards reinforcing habits and even choosing just a word for each year. Last year, I chose the word integration. This year, I'm going with presence. I have been talking to my therapist about how much I want to work on being okay with things as they are instead of wanting them to be different. I really want to try to focus on presence instead of control or unrealistic expectations. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited for your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Celebrate the progress you've already made. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Elevator today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Elevator. Okay, let's get started. Now I have many goals with Recovery Elevator. However, the main one is to soften or eradicate the stigma surrounding alcohol addiction, sobriety, recovery, and all that jazz. Another goal is to give listeners permission to shred the shame and recover our authentic selves along the way. And don't forget to love yourself as you cannot shame yourself into any form of lasting or notable change. Trust me, I have tried. Okay, I view the addict, the alcoholic, or the person who struggles with an alcohol use disorder as the canary in the mine that signals to the whole of society that something is out of balance. Now from 2015 to 2019, the five-year rate of alcohol deaths per capita in America increased by 49% and in 
And that's before COVID. Now, the New York Times recently published an article saying that in the U.S. alone, we've got about 44 million canaries in the mine who are saying, yo, we've got a problem here and alcohol ain't working. In my hopes of eradicating the stigma, my goal is to bridge the gap and bring the normal drinker and the problematic drinker together to heal. And here is an idea how I think we can do this, which I'm so pumped to share with you and I'll get to it shortly. Now, we've all heard the phrase drink responsibly, and we've probably seen it in a super small font on the side of a beer can tucked away somewhere. I think that phrase is such a cop out and doesn't do shit apart from placing blame on the drinker. Alcohol is the most addictive drug on the planet. That's not my opinion. That's what the data shows. Insert any other drug like crack and you'd never accept a silly statement like use crack responsibly. Can you imagine a crack dealer saying, okay, just use this crack responsibly and I'll see you next week. Fuck no, yet we accept it with alcohol. So I think we can do the drink responsibly thing way better and at the same time, bring more people together in community from both sides of the aisle to heal. Now, another goal of mine for the past four years is to do a beverage collaboration with someone in the NA world and cue drum roll. Here we go. I am so excited to announce that Recovery Elevator has partnered with Go Brewing for a limited edition NA beer. Now, I have taste tested many NA beers in this space, and my palate prefers Go Brewing. They sent me a sample pack last year, and I was blown away by the taste. Joe Chura, the owner of Go Brewing, recognized at the beginning of the pandemic that alcohol wasn't doing him any favors, which his annual blood work confirmed. So him and his wife decided to go 75 days sober, and this is how Go Brewing was started. He realized his life was improving dramatically without alcohol, but he still enjoyed the taste of beer. So he entered into the N.A. world. So listeners, here is the skinny. Recovery Elevator and Go Brewing are releasing 186 packs of their award-winning Sunbeam Pilsner. Front and center on the can is the Recovery Elevator logo and the tagline, Find Your Better You. On the side of the can, there's a QR code that takes you to the Recovery Elevator website. In addition, on the side of the can, we have text that says, join us in our partnership with Recovery Elevator, celebrating a life beyond alcohol. Together, we challenge alcohol-related stigma and support the journey to wellness. Embrace the joy of sobriety with us. As we toast to a future full of potential and free from limitations, cheers to a better tomorrow. How rad is that? I want to thank Go Brewing owner Joe Chura for being open to the idea and saying yes. In my perfect world, all beverages containing alcohol, instead of the cop-out line drink responsibly, will contain information on where one can seek help. Now, I have to mention listeners that if you are new to sobriety or think an NA beer would be triggering for you, then please listen to that voice. Yes, an NA beer does contain a trace amount of alcohol, but less alcohol than a ripe banana or a hamburger bun. And you'd have to drink about 25 to 30 of them in a single sitting to get around the 0.05 to 0.08 BAC level. Again, your sobriety is the number one concern. And if this is triggering, we totally respect that. Now, this collaboration is an experiment to try something new in this space. Again, I think we can do the drink responsibly thing way better. Now, there is no money being exchanged with this first beverage collaboration. This is simply two companies who have a similar goal uniting in attempts to shred the shame around alcohol addiction. 
If you want to pick up a limited edition Recovery Elevator Sunbeam Pilsner, go to gobrewing.com or click the link in the show notes and use the promo code ELEVATOR for 15% off your order with free shipping on orders of $40 or more. Now back to the drink responsibly line. The goal here is not to attack big alcohol or that industry, but we have to start debunking paradigms that simply are not true. There is no way to responsibly drink. The number one podcast in the health and fitness category, the Andrew Huberman Lab, did a podcast in August of 2022, link is in the show notes, about the health effects of drinking alcohol. And spoiler alert, there are zero health benefits. When you think about it, how could there be? You're basically drinking gasoline. Now, there is no responsible way to shut down your prefrontal cortex. It is in no way responsible to introduce any amount of alcohol to the hippocampus, which is responsible for memory formation. There is no responsible way to insert such a toxin into the bloodstream that the liver gives an all hands on deck red flag alert to signal the entire body to get rid of the alcohol first. There is no way to drink responsibly, and it's incredibly irresponsible to disseminate that message to the masses when it's flat out fucking wrong. So Recovery Elevator and Go Brewing, we're trying something new. Pick up your limited edition Recovery Elevator Sunbeam Pilsner at the link in the show notes. Use the promo code ELEVATOR at checkout for 15% off and free shipping on orders of $40 or more. I hope you guys enjoyed today's intro. I had a good time putting it together and I'm excited to see where this beverage collaboration goes. And now let's hear from Exact Nature before we hear from Kevin. We are thrilled to partner with Exact Nature because we are committed to the same goal, to help you quit drinking. Exact Nature's safe, all natural CBD-based products can aid your alcohol-free journey. If you struggle with sleep, cravings, mood swings, and high stress levels, learn more about how Exact Nature can help you at exactnature.com. Recovery Elevator listeners will receive 20% off their orders by using the code RE20. That's RE20 at exactnature.com. Kevin, how are you? Hey, Paul. Doing well. How about yourself? Yeah, Kevin. I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. Let's get right into this. When was your last drink? My last drink was April 28th, 2019. So a little over four and a half years ago. Um, yeah, four and some yeah. change. How do you feel? Feeling good. Uh, it's been a, it's been a interesting journey in these past four and a half years. Uh, and I, I said it like that, hesitated because I hate that word journey at this point. Uh, I'm always trying to find new, new words to use there, but it's a good one. So. Yeah, you're right. And, and what a, what a, what a voyage, a journey, a mission. Yeah. Uh, that we have signed up for here. And I wouldn't change a thing. Has it been easy? Nope. My goodness, hell no. Um, but here we are. And this is my favorite part about doing Recovery Elevator, is chatting one-on-one uh, with somebody on the on, on same pathway who has also reached the conclusion that alcohol has got to go. They're in the process. They've already done it. Here we are four, four years and some change later. Uh, Kevin, give listeners a little background about yourself, where you're from, what you do for a living. Uh, maybe you have a family. Uh, your age, and what do you like to do for fun? What do I like to do for fun? Uh, all right, I'll have to think about that one. But uh, so I am uh, 44 years old. Uh, I live in the Cleveland area, uh, originally from Pennsylvania, but came out here for school and stayed. 
and I am the head of coaching for the Reframe app. Uh, I am a former accountant though, so this is a, a second career for me. And yeah, accountant for 21 years. And uh, yeah, that's that's basically you know where I uh, started. What do I do for fun? I don't know, go to uh, my daughter's soccer games and sporting events. So I, I am married uh, 20 years actually last month and uh, have a daughter who's 16 and and yeah, I mean, fun is relative, right? Uh, I enjoy reading and uh, just kind of hanging out. I work a lot, so therefore just relaxing time is uh, is my fun, but uh, it's always taken up by various responsibilities and events that my, you know, might be having for my daughter. Yeah, for sure. And you said 20 years of marriage, I'm coming up on a year and a half. Any advice for this guy? Congrats. Uh I don't even know, like at 20 years now, I mean, just learn to uh, make each other laugh. How's that? Yeah, I, I think love keeping, it. Keeping it fun and funny uh, is always helpful for me. For sure. And listeners, you might've heard the word reframe. When we got connected, I said, definitely, we got to get Kevin on on the show. He's on the journey, four and a half years away from alcohol, but he's also part of a, a new movement, which is uh, technology and sobriety. And reframe, uh, their slogan is science over stigma. You know, we're gonna get to, we're gonna get more to reframe later in in the podcast episode. But in our private community, Cafe Re, we hear all kinds of resources, and reframe is one that continues to pop up. So I'm excited a little later for you to share to share more about that. But before we do that, I, I'm interested in Kevin of how he ended up here uh, over four years from his last drink on a sober podcast with a guy named Paul from Recovery Elevator. Obviously, there was a lot of tr- learning, a lot of trials, a lot of pain, uh, probably a lot of failed promises with alcohol. Uh, that, that's how we got connected. Uh, I'm in the same boat there, but I'm going to let you take it from the start. I'm going to let you begin wherever you feel feels a good place to start. Uh, yeah, I always kind of start with, you know, when sharing about this, like I always say my drinking career started in college. Uh, so, you know, I didn't really drink much before that, you know, a handful of times, a handful of beers. Uh, but college is really where, you know, that, uh, I got a little freedom and I was in a fraternity, I played football and, and the, uh, that kind of lent to lent itself to partying and, and different things like that. And it was very much binge drinking. Where did you go to Uh, college? I went to Case Western Reserve University in Cleveland. It's division three, right? Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I played football at a Division three school in California, so I'm always curious. It's, it's, oh, okay. a, it's a neat world. There's like 300 Division three football teams out there. It's it's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Okay, keep going, Kevin. Yeah, no worries. Um, yeah, so I mean, in college, it was very much just binge drinking, right? It was weekends, sometimes during the week, but it was specific, like, hey, we're having this party, we're getting we're getting together, doing this, and that kind of, you know, I, I majored in accounting. And that kind of transitioned into my work life too. Like I started at a big four accounting firm and, uh, you know, lots of deadlines, uh, lots of stress and, and happy hours and uh, end of, de- you know, deadline parties and things like that, where binge drinking just kind of was my way to socialize there as well. Um, yeah, but you had a question. You said you went into a, a big four accounting firm. Was that a culture when you showed up, you almost got absorbed into the happy hours or that alcohol is going to be part of this professional career as an accountant. Yeah, absolutely. When I, whenever back then, I mean, I graduated in 01. Um, so back then it was definitely part of it. I can't speak for now. It's been a while, but uh, 
it's definitely there and it was definitely uh the, the like i said the happy hours and especially i was in tax so like april 15th parties uh you know in fall busy season wrap-ups and uh year ends and things like that those big uh deadlines were always followed with hey we're going out and we're getting drunk and that's the plan uh get a hotel room because you're gonna be staying the night yeah that's definitely how it was for me and and that kind of continued for a few years i got married when we were uh 23 and you know my daughter came along when i was 27 uh and when i that year you know so my daughter came you know was born i transitioned to corporate accounting corporate tax and then uh you know got our first house so it was kind of like a settling time i think like that that's kind of where we were at or where i was at and you know again it was social drinking you know, always binge, never had an off switch type of thing. Um, but it was always social and occasional beer at home by myself. But as I got into my thirties, that definitely became like, okay, coming home from work, I'm going to grab a beer, uh, coming home from work, I'm going to grab two beers. And and that became a way for me to unwind and de-stress. And it eventually became my only way to unwind and de-stress. And, uh, and it was all, it was all well and good until it wasn't. And, you know, I kind of always look at it as like my consumption increased over time. Uh, that's what alcohol does, right? But then in 2015, you know, I was put on this big project, which I always caveat with, like, I don't blame the project for, you know, this. I think I was eventually on that trajectory. It was just like, it was increasing and that took it to another level, another plateau um, or, you know, a higher one. And it was a 24 uh, seven kind of project that I was put on for this year. Kevin, I, I want to hear about that project in a, in a second, but I'm, I'm curious, you know, in my twenties and thirties, the friends that I went to college with, they got married, kids, houses and all that stuff. And they kind of phased out of the drinking, right? It, yeah. it, it kind of just like left them. But for myself, it was the opposite. And it sounds like for you, you recognized one beer after work, became two, became three. Was there an, an, a narrative that's like, wait a second, our buddies are phasing out of this and we're ramping up? Nope, not at all. Because, um, I mean, I think it's, uh, it didn't seem like a problem. Like gotcha. it was just, it was just what we did. We got together on the weekends. I got together with my brother, our friends, and we went out, you know, we drank. My, my wife doesn't drink. Uh, it's not that she's sober or anything. She just would rather have a Diet Coke. <laughs> so Yeah, that's really uh, helpful. My wife is the same way. She does not have an alcohol problem, but has only had one drink since we've been together. That's oh, wow. A big, that's a big tailwind. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, no, I was just going to say, I always say I can count the number of drinks uh, she has on a year on one hand, and it's usually just zero. Um, so, uh, yeah, that does help a lot. Yeah. So tell me about this project. Uh, yeah. So, you know, the whole company was going through this transition, uh, corporate transition. And I was kind of, it was very much tax driven and I was put kind of at the front of it with my boss. And so I'm, you know, daily working on this project along with my other tasks, you know, I'm, I'm put in front of the CEO, the CFO, uh, you know, all these you know, project managers and, and everybody involved with it. Um, and it was 24 seven. Like, I, that's what I say, obviously had to sleep in there somewhere, but, uh, my whole life was kind of taken up with this work and drinking at night became my way to unwind and de-stress with that little bit of me time. Right. Uh, after I finished up or on the tail end of finishing up, you know, and, and that became the, the thing that I did. That was the way that I, 
because that's all I knew. Like if I was stressed, I would have a drink before, but it wasn't a big deal because I would have one or two and I felt better. This was that stress mounting and needing so much more to uh, take care of that. Uh, it was my only coping mechanism. So over time, over that year, uh, it just increased. And then, so we finished up. It was this project that I know our accountant said that it's an 18 month project and you're trying to do it in 12. And, uh, and we did, but then 2016 came along and then we had to implement it. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then 2017 and 18 came along and it was, we were, uh, targeted for acquisition and, you know, in 2018 company was acquired this whole time. It was just, I was involved in everything that was going on. Uh, you know, I won accountant of the year award in 2016 for what I did in 2015, you know, part of the work I did with, with the team and, you know, just that while just going home and working and then drinking and, uh, you know, waking up at five in the morning in my basement with the pipe right next to me, uh, TV on lights on pipe right next to me, water going down it at 5am when my wife's taking a shower, getting ready for work. I'd wake up and be like, I mean, it wasn't every day, but I'd be like, oh, okay, well, let's go upstairs and crawl into bed before she leaves and then, and then start this all over again. Yeah. I mean, the groundhog day, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and so did it reach a culmination? It sounds like Kevin, that was some great real world experience, but also quite stressful. Uh, do you think that stress played a factor in your drinking? Sounds like it. Yeah, absolutely. Without um, a doubt. Yeah, without a doubt. And and yeah, it just became the way I dealt with it. And I would wake up and ton of coffee to try and get me back up. And then, yeah, I'm like, I'm not going to drink tonight or I'm not going to drink as much. And, and then it was like, okay, I got through the day and went home, maybe poured myself a drink to relax for a minute, did some more work and then, you know, finish off the night with that me time that I was looking for. Yeah. And with the water pipe, would you hang out in the basement all night until 5 a.m. drinking? Uh, well, at that point, um, typically it was just, you know, I would sit, I would bring something down to drink and, you know, usually do that until I fell asleep. Sure. Got I'll, you. I'll put that, I'll put that in air quotes, fell asleep. Yeah, uh, I, I got you. No judgment here. We all, we've all have, all listeners have their own metaphorical water pipe or their own rituals where they're on certain locations, their altars yeah. in the house, there's sacred places where they can drink unchecked. Um, and then there's another uh, ritual there of how to hide it, right? Oh, you hear the water coming down. Your, your wife's there. I'm going to go jump yeah. in bed and hey, all, all good here yeah. until it's not. Like you yeah. said, it sounds like you're trying to cut back, um, moderate what happens there. Yeah. So I guess 2018, uh, the, one of the things that kicked it off was, uh, work requ required us to get these biometric screenings. So like blood work and things like that. Uh, so got blood work done and liver enzymes high doctor orders ultrasound um i think it was like august of 2018 or the summer that i got that done and they were like fatty liver and i kind of just laughed and be like well no shit i wake up i wake up and my my side hurts my abdomen hurts because mm. uh, i drank too much last night like that was i kind of knew something was up there uh but at that point I was, you know, I got the call from the doctor's office and they're like, yeah, make sure, you know, you cut back on alcohol and, you know, don't eat as much fatty foods. And okay. It's like, okay. And like, okay, well, what do I do here? You would have thought the solution would have been to drink more. Cause that's what I did for a little bit. Um, cause it did not stop me. And then Kevin, I got to ask when you said, what do I do here? 
Yeah, I, I want to expand on that because I'm I know several listeners have received a call from a medical professional or even an outside loved one of like, hey, you, you gotta cut back or else the consequences can be steep. When you said, What do I do here? Was there a moment of panic? Was it the thought of you're gonna let go of perhaps a close acquaintance called alcohol? Yeah, how did it feel? Yeah. I mean, that was a big part of my story is like, how do I let go of this thing that is my kind of my identity? Like, you know, I, it's what I did. It's what I did for fun. It's what I did to socialize. It's what I did to de-stress. And, you know, how can I do all these things without that? And I just didn't know. So I kind of, like I did with everything back then is I just pushed it down and drank it down, uh, you know, with alcohol and kind of just buried my head in the sand for a little bit. Yeah. Cause I didn't know what to do. Like I, I had tried cutting back in the past and that didn't work. Uh, you know, I, I, one time I can remember I did like a whole 30 and it was years before I can't even remember what year it was. And I made it like 28 days. I didn't even make it to the end. Cause I went to, uh, you know, someone's house and I was like, ah, screw it. I made it far enough. But you know, that was, you know, that was an anomaly. And every other time I tried, it was, yeah, I made it barely a week. If that. Kevin, those kind of almost backfire because I did 23 days. I was going for 30 and on day 23, I'm like, no way I have a drinking yeah. problem. I just went 30 or 23 days. Yeah. Don't need to go the extra seven. Um, and I say it can kind of almost backfire because we proved to ourselves we're not an alcoholic. We don't have a drinking problem when yep. deep down it's like, holy shit, alcoholics don't give themselves, you know, these tests or breaks or, or normal drinkers, shall I say. All right, yeah. keep going. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so that was in August and, uh, I, think, I remember it was like September 30th, I think. And I listened to a podcast and they were talking about Sober October. I'm like, oh, there it is. There's my solution. I'll do that. Um, you know, and I started it, I think four, four or five days. I never remember. Whatever the that was that year where that Friday hit, because uh, uh, October 15th was a big deadline for us. So, you know, I tried to do this in the heart of uh, that deadline. And all my tools were me saying, you know what? I'm not going to drink this month. That was it. Like yeah. I didn't do, I didn't try to do anything else. I just, you know, I just declared that and that was it. And four or five days in, I'm like, well, I made it this far. I'm stressed. It's a Friday. I need to unwind. And then I drank and then I woke up the next day and I'm like, well, I guess this is over. I'll start again. I'll try again next month. And not to say that, you know, now I tell people like, get back on it. Like sure. keep going. Yep. You, you know, it's a slip. You know, what else could you have done? Like all those things that I talk about now, you know, I, I was just like, well, I guess I'm done for this month. And that, that kind of continued. I didn't, didn't really try anything in November. I half-heartedly did some stuff in December to try and like cut back a little bit. And then January came of 2019 and, you know, went on a uh, little vacation cruise with the family, uh, you know, after January 1st. So it was like January 1st through uh, the 5th or something like that, a short little cruise. And it was a Disney cruise. And uh, I was the only one drinking and yeah, the, the bill came and it was like eight, 900 bucks. And I know it's more expensive, but I was like, Ooh, okay. That's, that's a lot. Yeah. Cause Disney cruises don't have the passes that can, you can just say like, Oh, it's yeah. you know, unlimited. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, so they, they spell it out for you in black and white, which was kind of helpful for me at that time. Uh, but I knew like this whole time, especially in December and January was me. Like I started reading books and, I uh, started researching, like, what can I do? And in my head, I was like, well, I could go to AA or I could keep drinking. And I'm like, I guess I'll keep drinking because everything I, and this is definitely not to say anything negative about AA, but for me, it was like, I looked at it and I was like, that does not click for me. 
that doesn't seem like that's going to help me. That doesn't seem like I, I, I don't agree with some of that, uh, some of the steps I read and all that. Now, I know looking back, had I known somebody and they would have been like, hey, come on, do a meeting with me. And I went, I know I would have got a benefit out of it, but I didn't know anybody. So the thought of me walking into a room, you know, by myself, you know, was almost like giving up, you know, in a way. And it was just something I wasn't prepared to do, but I was trying to figure it out. And I remember reading one of my things, one of my things that pushed me was I was reading, uh, I think Russell Brand's book, Recovery, where he reframes those steps. And, you know, the one thing he said was, uh, are you on your own going to un-F yourself? And I remember pausing the, the audio book uh, on my way to work and just thought about that the rest of the time. I'm like, no, I'm like, you've been trying to do this yourself for so long and it obviously doesn't work. You need help from somebody else. And, uh, and then, but then I just kept, kept going, kept going. And then, so the January 22nd, I kind of treat as my, yeah, April uh, 29th was my last day one. April 28th was my last drink that year. But January 22nd was what I look at as my day that I made the turn and made the switch because it was a Tuesday. And I remember, you know, Monday getting, stopping at the store, getting a bottle of, uh, of something and, and drank half of it on Monday just because it was year end, we were stressed. And so started out the week that way. I remember coming out on Tuesday and I pulled out a bottle of wine because I was like, okay, well, if I start that, I'm going to finish that, the rest of that bottle. And so I drank the bottle of wine and then I went and I finished the rest of the bottle. And that's when, uh, that's when I, I call it my rock bottom. Uh, and I like to call it my rock bottom because it doesn't look like a rock bottom. It was me sitting on my couch on a Tuesday night, uh, crying and just crying, meaning, you know, just broke down and just said, I can't keep doing this. And that's when one of the other things I was looking at was therapy. And I signed up that night on BetterHelp. And that was kind of the start of, that was, that was, I finally did something to, to move forward. Uh, that was not just saying, Hey, I'm going to, I got to get a handle on this. Yeah, Kevin, I'm curious to your answer on what was the factor or the turning point. I think you said you flipped a switch on January 22nd. You're sitting there on the couch, bottle of wine, went back and finished the other bottle. And you said, I think you're crying. And you said, uh, I can't keep going on like this. What do you think that flip was? Was it that internal declaration that was just so honest to yourself, you think? Yeah, I mean, it was it was a lot of little things that were building up. Um over the course of that month, really, uh, you know, it was the August, you know, ultrasound. It was the fact that, you know, I, I, I was at my heaviest, you know, weight. It was my cholesterol and all the health things that were, were stacking up. And I was feeling them for the first time, uh, at 39 years old. And, uh, you know, one of the big things too, like I talked about that book, but one of the other things was like, uh, you know, music was important to me just, uh, has, has been important to me on this, on this, uh, these last four plus years. Uh, and there was a song, Blue October, my favorite band, uh, that they they sing where uh, one of the lyrics, I remember driving with my daughter that month, and one of the lyrics was, you know, I should have been a better man, but a should have, could have, would have, isn't what a better man would do. Um, and I have that now tattooed up here. Um, and that, that was another thing that kind of stuck with me. And it was just like all those little things were piling up and pointing me in the direction and being like, all right, dude, what are you going to do here? here You're at go. a critical, critical juncture in this where you can either 
try and do something or it's going to get a whole lot worse, a whole lot quicker. And we're three months from your last drink, but it sounds like you said the flip was switched. The corner has been turned. Yeah. Yeah. What happens after that? Yeah. So, um, I, so that was a Tuesday night. So Friday night I'm sitting like right here and my wife is over here at the desk in this room that I'm in. And I have some liquid courage in my hand still, uh, because I was going to tell her finally a couple days later that, Hey, you know, I signed up for therapy. But basically I, I, after like 20 minutes of not listening to her because I was stuck in my own head about what I was going to say here, you know, I was like, what would you say if I saw a therapist for, um, to help me get a handle on my drinking. Wow. And, okay. Yeah. And it was, that was what I felt like. I feel like that was one of the hardest things I've ever had to say because it was me admitting that I needed help. Right. And that was, you know, and now I'm like, whatever, I need help for everything. So come on, I, I, give me all the help because I'm all for it now. But back then it was like, I had to, you know, it's that whole thing that's, you know, pushed into us as far as like the, you know, oh, suck it up and strong and silent type and all that kind of bullshit that, uh, that mentality where, you know, and she was obviously, she, well, she, I, don't, I hate saying obviously, she was supportive. Um, and, um, she was like, yeah, I think anybody who is looking to, uh, work on themselves to, to get better at some area is, that's great. Uh, so I'm all for it. Um, and it just felt like this weight was lifted. And then, I some more drinks that night um, because I knew the next day I was going to be like, okay, I, I haven't talked to my therapist yet, but I know that's coming. I'm going to stop drinking tomorrow. So I think it was that next day that I stopped and I went 60 days wow. uh, without, without drinking right away uh, because I think it was a combination of it was motivation. It was freeing that I was finally talking with somebody about it uh, and had somebody to be accountable to and had my wife's support. And uh, it was just, yeah, but the other thing that I think helped me get through that for 60 days was the fact that I was like, well, I'm not going to, this isn't going to be forever. Like, so my, I annoyed, I annoyed the hell out of my therapist, I'm sure with, uh, who I actually just had an appointment with today. Um, still, uh, I, I annoyed her with, okay, but when can I drink? Like, mm -hmm. when is a good time to reintroduce this? When am I fixed? I don't have an off switch. When are you going to put that dimmer switch on my head? Ah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and, and Kevin, I don't have all the details here, but it sounds like January 22nd was a big week for you. And let me shine the light on a couple of events that I see there for the listeners. Number one, that moment on the couch, that is a pure connection to the soul, to the unconscious. Your whole body's getting on the same page of honesty. You got to burn the ships with yourself. I can't go on living like this. That's your classic sick and tired of being sick and tired, which is extremely painful but is a good motivator of change. Then a couple of days later, I think that Friday, you meet with your wife. You don't know how to phrase it. Hey, I yeah. just signed up for therapy with uh, for, for alcohol. And it's another burning of the ships, right? And, and so we can't do this alone. I like how you said earlier, you can't figure it out in your head. It is so fun to get sober mentally by yourself, right? I'm going to do this, this, yeah. this. It feels so good, yeah. but it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Listeners hate to say it. You you might be the only unique one out there who's listening right now that can do it. I couldn't, Kevin couldn't do it. But then you went 60 days and you said right after you told your wife this big weight lifted, and that's very common what I hear on this podcast, my own journey. As soon as we burn the ships with ourselves, we feel lighter. We burn the ships with other people. Oh my gosh. And do you think some of that carried with you on those 60 days, like the burden was just less intense. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it was still, I, I didn't know how I was going to do it still, because I was like, okay, 
I got this. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm doing things. And it was, and that was it too. Like I was finally doing something. It was like months and months and months of this building up where I was like, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And I finally did something. So, you know, that, that was helpful, but I still didn't know like, okay, well, I still stressed. I still have all this work that I'm doing. We're still busy. We're still, you know, how do I do this? And that was where my therapist helped and came in and said, okay, well, uh, that was huge for me as far as being able to message her. That was my, I talk about journaling all the time. People get sick of it. Um, but it was such a huge thing for me. And it started with being able to message my therapist and just kind of get those thoughts out of my head and be like, okay, well, what just happened? Like I just sitting here at work and all of a sudden I want to drink. And, but then I learned to start processing that and, and sharing that with someone else. And, you know, that became a huge help to me, but that whole time it was like, okay, but when am I going to drink again? And even sharing it with like my brother, who was one of my biggest drinking buddies, we would always hang out and socially and we would, you know, drink. And and I was worried about telling him Uh, and I told him, and eventually he said something that helped me too. It's like, you know, I was worried about like, I don't know. I told him, I'm like, I don't know when I'm going to drink again. I don't know when I'm going to reintroduce this and all that. And he's like, or, or you just don't ever have to drink again too. That's always an option. And I was like, what? (laughs) I'm like, I was just so shocked by that. And that was, but that was such a helpful comment uh, from him. And he actually gave me a book uh, that I got one or two tidbits out of that, that helped me. But um, so that, that planted a seed uh, that, that that helped me think about that. Um, But then, you know, 60 days came and uh, one of my times I'm like, when am I going to do it? Like San Antonio and my work trip uh, or, you know, a, a vacation in April or, you know, and, you know, so I decided going to San Antonio, let's, let's try to moderate uh, first day there. Uh, I'm like, okay, I'm not going to drink at happy hour. And I come up with a plan, I'm not going to drink at happy hour. I'm going to have one drink at dinner when we go out. And that's what I did. And it was fine. It was slightly stressful. Went back to the hotel where I would usually maybe grab a bottle of wine and keep working. Uh, and, but no, I, I did that. And then the next day I was going to do the same thing. Okay. No, other than a happy hour, one drink at dinner. And then we go to dinner and it was, you know, sponsored by one of our accounting firms. And I walk in, it's a whiskey tasting. And I immediately said, just F me. Uh, because I was like, that, that was my drink of choice. And uh, I, I immediately just gave up. I was like, nope, not gonna do it. And not gonna worry about it tonight. So that was what I considered like, I failed on that, that night. Um, I wasn't prepared for it. Uh, I was out over my skis, however you want to put it. Uh, and then, you know, that weekend came home and went out with family. We got my parents, this thing, going to this vineyard, uh, around here in Amish country or whatever. We got that them for that for Christmas. And, uh, so I was like, okay, well, I already drank here. So I'm just going to continue that in the weekend. I'll start again on Monday. Uh, I'm, I'm a famous start again on Monday guy. Uh, which I'm trying to I kick myself out of now, but, um, uh, so I did. And, you know, I had some drinks over that weekend and I started again on Monday and I was like, okay, I'm not going to drink this week. I'm using my tools and that, but it was, it was a little bit harder to, I didn't have the, the tailwind, I guess, behind me, like I did in the 60 days where I was a little bit harder to start back up. And I, I say, I slipped that week and I wasn't going to drink and I did. Um, and then it just kind of went back and forth. Like, okay, I'm going to try and moderate. I'm going to do this. I'm going to, uh, until uh, vacation at the end of April uh, was another time when I was like, okay, I'm going to try and moderate there. And went on vacation uh, down in Florida with friends and moderated pretty well. 
uh, had my rules in place. Uh, two days, Monday night, happy hour. My plan was to have one drink. Happy hour turned into three hours, got derailed there. Uh, and Friday, it was the last day. I was just like, screw it. I'm just going to drink. Um, so somewhat successful during the week, still adhering to all these rules. And then, you know, with, with a little bit of not a lot of success and can't coming home then because we drove it, it, we stopped on the way home on Saturday, came home on Sunday and brought, you know, alcohol back with us. So I was like, okay, I'm going to finish this and I'll start again tomorrow. Start again on Monday. And I'm like, okay, I need to be more committed. I'm like, I'm going to do 61 days this time. Let's just go one more day than I did earlier this year. And then I just proceeded to drink all that stuff and uh, passed out during the best Game of Thrones episode ever. Uh, I don't know if you watched that, but uh, the Night King episode. And I watch that every April 28th now uh, to kind of check back in with myself surprised I still haven't gotten a tattoo related to that yet, but that's coming. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that's, that's, that was my last drink. And I woke up the next day and I was like, okay, let's, uh, let's do this. I'm like, and I said, I remember saying these exact words to myself. I'm like, there's no way I make it to the weekend. And I just was not in the right headspace for it. And the days went on and I started feeling a little bit better. I'm like, okay, I got to the weekend. I'm like, all right, I'm feeling good. Let's do this. I can, I can do this let's commit. And I just kept going and I, I got close you know, I got to like 30 days and I was like, all right, six, I can do 61. Let's, let's shoot for 90. Got close to 90 days. I'm like, all right, I see, I see you six months. And, you know, I just kept kind of pushing that forward and taking it a little bit slow, but kept challenging myself there. Now, were you just meeting with your therapist? I, I heard you say earlier, AA was not quite your track, but how did you make the, the 60 and then go into 90? Uh, yeah, meeting with my therapist, uh, a lot of, I always, I always viewed Quitlet and podcasts as my meetings, uh, cause I didn't do meetings. So the way I look at it, looking, looking back on it, that was my every day on the way to work, every day on the way home from work, get my mind right. And I, I just devoured, you know, Quitlet and, um, any book around, surrounding it and listen to all the podcasts and just, that was kind of one, that was a big thing that, that helped me learn different ways of doing this. And, you know, I tried to build up routines and I read the miracle morning and I, uh, you know, talked with my therapist. She gave me ideas. Uh, I was still messaging her when I needed it, uh, which was routinely. Now, Kevin, yeah. in those first six months, was there a voice? It's like, yo, Kevin, was it really that bad? <laughs> are, we, oh. are we, are we going to keep going on this? Yeah. Oh yeah. The, that voice was there. And uh, it's funny because I talked about the, the one tattoo I got with that lyric over here and I got another one over here with like a whiskey glass pouring, pouring out on my shoulder with another lyric from, uh, from blue October. And I, I always thought of them as my gargoyles. Um, those are my protectors up there because the one with the whiskey glass kept me from drinking at least a dozen times because I'm like, dude, you got that tattoo in May when you were three weeks into this, this stint. And you you can't drink now because you got that like and but that would that was helpful uh at times but the uh the voice in my head yeah telling were you that bad that was that came about a lot whenever i was listening to other people's stories like if i was listening to an instagram live or anything like that and i, I don't know how many times i was like well, holy hell i wasn't that bad like do i do i really need to do this i questioned that a ton and that, and that even happened into 
you said six months, I would say a year, year and a half, uh, until I, I, I found a specific thing that, that stopped that for me. And it was, uh, a phrase that I would tell myself and it was just go to bed. And that was what that, that whole thing about, was I bad enough? I would say anytime I thought that I'd be like, dude, just go to bed. And what that meant to me was every time like I was drinking and it was late at night and my wife and daughter were in the bedrooms sleeping and I was out there drinking and I would just tell myself like, all right, I'll get one more and then I'll go to bed. And then I got the one more. And then I would tell myself, like, I was thinking about it. And I'm like, just go to bed, just go to bed. And I would go pour another one. I'd be like, all right, one more. And it was that whole thing. Just go to bed, just go to bed. And that, that kind of put it in perspective for me. Like that was bad enough. Like I didn't want that. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want that in there. And if there was even a possibility that that was going to be, uh, you know, what I went back to, if I tried to moderate again or anything, I was like, it's not worth it. Uh, so I had to find that thing that was for me to tell me like, yeah, you were bad enough for you. And that's all that matters. Yeah. And Kevin, I'm curious on the transition from accounting into the reframe app work. And also in that, I'm sure before we quit drinking, the other side, we can't see it. It's the unknown. Myself, I didn't know Recovery Elevator was going to be a part of my life before I got sober. Nothing. It's scary. So what did that transition look like? And I'm sure you had no idea you're going to end up being an app or or a sobriety coach with the Reframe app. Yeah. No, not at all. Uh, it's funny because I, I on my last day, uh, one of my counterparts down in accounting asked me, he's like, how did you get involved in that? I'm like, to be honest, I started an Instagram page three years ago. And, and I started that Instagram page because uh, my therapist, I told her about, I was like triggered by this picture that came up in one of my feeds where it's like one year ago today, you know, it showed me this picture of a beer and something I was eating and I was an excellent alcohol photographer. Um, and you know, it was, it, it just triggered me. Like, and she said, well, why don't you start posting better pictures so that next year at this time, you'll see those instead. Mm. I'm like, okay. So I started my Instagram page and I just did it for myself. I just started posting pictures every day. I would post my day count, you know, a picture I took that day and something else I found, uh, out there. And that was kind of my little routine. And then eventually after a couple of months, I started sharing, uh, you know, with in, for, in private, uh, you know, I was private. Uh, and then I was like, okay, let's go public, but I'm going to be anonymous still. And then I just like, like a turtle. Like I was just sticking my head out of my shell just a little bit more each time. And, uh, so I started like kind of sharing and I felt like, you know, I saw people like responding and being like, thanks so much for sharing that today. Like, you know, whatever I shared my words, like it, I saw it helping other people, you know, know that they're not alone or they're going through that too, which helped me. And so I kind of just kept riding that and kept going with it. And then I started uh, hosting on the page uh, 1000 Hours Dry. Uh, and, you know, I was a weekly host there to, for the that alcohol free challenge. And, you know, just little by little, and at a certain point, I was like, okay, well, uh, Reframe started in June of that year, 2020. Uh, and I so I was involved with them through 1000 Hours Dry. And then that fall, I was like, well, okay, maybe I'll try this coaching thing. I actually looked at going back to school for a psych degree and and maybe becoming a therapist and things like that. But then I was looking, okay, my daughter's gonna be going to college soon. Do I want to have my payment on top of hers? And uh, and my therapist actually suggested coaching. So I looked into it and 
I started, I'm like, Hey, if I don't use it and I just, it makes me become a better uh, person on a thousand hours dry or my own page to help people, it'll be worth it. Let's just try it. But then, you know, I went through that program and uh, in April, May of the next year, 2021, Reframe started their own coaching uh, platform on top of the app. And uh, so I got involved there and was, you know, coaching a little bit part-time. Uh, and then in February of 22, came on full-time, you know, as head of coaching for Reframe. And as head of coaching for Reframe, Kevin, what is the one thing you see with clients who are trying to quit drinking where they're getting stuck? It's a tough one to answer, right? But you know, yeah. what's a commonality? I, I think I think it's hard when our you know I think we go into this, especially like early on, like when somebody's just starting out. We all have like an expectation of like I'm gonna do this, and this is what it's gonna look like, and then I'll be fixed. I'll be fine. It it'll be good, and I can either you know moderate or I just won't be won't drink. The problem is, is it never works, right? We, we, we don't know what we don't know usually. And, you know, it's only by removing it or cutting back on it that we see, we cut, you know, we expose all the things that we weren't seeing. Like for me, like I, I said, like I drink because of work stress and then I stopped drinking those 60, those first 60 days. And I realized real quick that I drank because of every emotion and, you know, it, it was very obvious and, uh, it, that my hand wanted to reach for a drink. And I had to teach it to reach for my phone and, and, and start typing, typing away to my therapist or myself in my journal uh, versus, you know, going and getting that drink or uh, just finding those tools that we can use to disconnect from that, uh, from that autopilot or whatever. But yeah, I think, you know, having these expectations that are, that are way up here when we need to have them a little bit lower and just make that incremental change. And I know that's tough, right? Because if, especially if it's something that, you know, we really need to fix because of X, because of something that happened, um, you know, that's going to be tough to have patience with ourselves. but that's, you know, all we can do is like, this is just working on ourselves. This is just figuring out, uh, these ways that we can, uh, these tools that we can use in order to approach our lives differently, you know, whenever we want that, want to reach for that drink. Yeah. Hey, Kevin, two questions. Uh, number one, tell us a little bit about Reframe app. I know it's a community. It's an app. There's coaching involved with that. And, and number two is, how do you think the recovery landscape is going to change with technology, most notably the internet? Yeah. Uh, so Reframe is a neuroscience-based app where there's a program uh, in place based on you know uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, neuroscience, just all kinds of tools that uh, guide you through uh, on from day one to beyond, like to a year and beyond. I mean, right now we have years worth of content uh, in the app, but it, you know, it's about habit change. It's about you know learning about what alcohol is doing to our brains, our bodies, our relationships. You know, all of that, as well as providing tools to help you figure that out and. Uh, and, and come to that, come to your own kind of way of dealing with it. Uh, you know, because obviously we have, uh, well, we have daily tasks that, uh, you read through and, you know, you're doing meditations and journaling. And, uh, if you're on the cutback track, you're, you're going to track your drinks and, and keep that in front of you. And, um, but there's a toolkit in there. There's a craving button you can push and, you know, it, it'll give you tools to do in that moment. 
there's a forum in there where you can share with, uh, you know, anybody in the community and reach out and be like, Hey, here's a win I just had. Hey, I'm struggling, you know, whatever it might be. Um, community meetings daily. Uh, we have about 200 plus community meetings a month now. Um, that's a, that's a huge part that can be a huge part of someone's journey. And it's, and, and it's, can be anonymous, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's virtual through zoom. So I can join, uh, without a picture, don't have to turn my video on, don't have to talk. I can just listen. And I think like, for, for, and that's why I like, I love it so much because a, it's kind of how I started out with better help where I had this app in my pocket where I could connect with somebody and, you know, I didn't have to go anywhere. I didn't have to put myself out there when I wasn't ready. And, you know, I think having that, and again, that worked for me. There's other people who just are going to want to put themselves out there, want to go talk to people, want to get in front of it, uh, in a different way. And that's fine too. There is, uh, you know, I always say there's, there's only one way to address your relationship with alcohol. And that's the way that works for you, uh, whatever that looks like. But then, you know, we also have, there's challenges, there's courses, there's a whole, you know, bunch of helpful tools and support within the app. And there's one-on-one coaching as well that you can get uh, from myself or any of the other members of our team uh, who do that. So most definitely sounds like a great, a great program, a great project. Again, we've heard the name reframe uh, drop several times in our own private community cafe RE and, and talk to us about technology. How is the internet zoom face-to-face apps, a smartphone, how is that going to uh, how is that going to push the alcohol free movement moving forward I, I mean i think it's the only way to to really push it moving forward uh you can still have that you know in in person uh feel but it, you know it's going to be virtual it's going to be here me and you talking uh and, and it's different but you know we've had so many reframers, you know, themselves, like getting on planes and going to meet each other and connecting and, you know, making their own in-person connections, um, you know, reaching out and being like, Hey, who's in Cleveland? You know, like, want to get together? Let's do that. Uh, you know, so I think it just facilitates what any individual might be looking for, uh, whether that's, Hey, I want to just be, uh, anonymous and sit back and listen and all that, or I want to share, I want to be out there. I want to connect with people, try and connect with people in real life, that type of thing. You know, I think it's just a way to facilitate all that. Um, Yeah. Yeah, Kevin, COVID did a wonderful thing for me with recovery. It kind of shattered the veneer or the wall that I had or the image or the expectation of what recovery needed to look like. I had to drive in my car, go sit in a chair that was in a circle. Somebody would start a meeting. And when that wasn't an option, it was Zoom. And, and we've got a bunch of meetings with Cafe RE and I go to I go to many of those and I host some yeah. that I get the same benefit. I get the same human connection, the same chemicals of oxytocin or whatnot yeah. are produced in my body from an in-person meeting to a Zoom meeting. And actually same with a therapist. And I was like, wait, I got to meet with a therapist via Zoom. It works just the same. It's actually quite magical. So listeners, I encourage you to try recovery online. And I forget how you said it. I, we say there's no right or wrong way to do it, but how'd you say it? It's like your recovery oh, pathway. Yeah. I think the only, there's only one way to uh, address alcohol's role in your life. And that's the way that works for you. Okay. The and, way that works for you. I don't recommend yeah. everybody go out there on day one and create their own program, right? Correct. I recommend asking people and getting advice from people who are doing it, but I, I fully track with that. Yeah. 
I, I, I like that caveat because yeah, I mean, because when I started too, I had no idea what I was doing. I was listening to books. And so my therapist did, you know, spoon feed me some of those tools that I needed. Uh, so yeah, having that, and that's where, you know, recovery elevator reframe AA, like those types of things give you a, a program uh, that you can follow and then see where it goes from there. And I want to say one thing before we hit the rapid fire round. And I think Kevin will agree with this. It's not and or. It's not. It's not reframe or AA. It's not cafe re or reframe. Yeah. It's all the above. You can do yeah. both. You can do three. More yeah. is better here. Um, that, uh, Kevin, yeah, that all goes. Yeah, well, sorry. That all goes into find the way that works for you. If yeah, if you find an in person thing and you like reframe and cafe re, do them all. For sure. So we have reached the rapid fire round, Kevin. You can answer these, each of these questions within 10 to 15 seconds. That would be great. Are you ready? Uh, 10 to 15 seconds? I thought it was 10 to 30. I thought I had more time. No, I'm ready. It does say 10 it. to 30, but uh, I swapped <laughs> that. Number one, Kevin, what's the one thing you've learned about yourself since quitting drinking? Uh, that I can do anything that I set out to do. Because before it was a lot of failed promises and things I was going to start to do and 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 move forward with and I would just quit uh, because oh it didn't work out right away this taught me that I can handle that best sober moment uh best sober moment um you know I think uh, I, I thought of the one time I my first sober concert with my daughter Justin Furstenfeld lead singer of October does a tour where it's acoustic it's just him and we had you know uh, sound check passes. We met him. I have a picture of those two up there on the wall. And uh, the first song he played in sound check was called Ugly Side. And I had to hold back crying from from that because, you know, I only want you to see my favorite part of me and not my ugly side and sit next to my daughter. That was meaningful. What's your favorite alcohol free drink? Uh, coffee. Um, but if I'm talking NAs, uh, yeah, I like anything athletic and Guinness is zero. All right, Kevin, what's the point of life? Point of life is to figure out the point of life. There is no point. It's for you to figure it out. We'll skip the band question. We already know it's blue October and I love that yeah. band too, actually. What's on your bucket list, Kevin? My bucket list. Um, write a book. Go for it. Amazon has completely changed the landscape with self-publishing and how easy it is. Um, for sure. Let me know if I can help with that. Yeah, All right. Last question. What parting piece of guidance can you give the listeners who are thinking about quitting drinking? Uh, I would just say practice. Keep, you know, find uh, something, find, a, like we talked about before, find a platform, find something that you can, that kind of resonates with you um, and try it out and keep practicing. I mean, I think it's something that we have to keep in front of us every day. Uh, even just a little bit. It's not, don't make it too daunting, but it is something that we need to, to work on because ultimately it's just, we're just working on ourselves, right? We're working to figure out ways to, to get better, to be better, and um, which kind of has nothing to do with drinking. Drinking is that side effect. Kevin, before we depart, give listeners your own customized, you might need to ditch the booze if line. Uh, you might need to ditch the booze if, uh, since going back to my Tuesday night, uh, and since it is Tuesday when we're recording this, you might need to ditch the booze if uh, your your Tuesday rules to moderate have reached about 20. Uh, yeah, that works. That checks yeah. out for sure. <laughs> 
Kevin, thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure to connect with you. I appreciate your work, which you've been doing. I've been hearing the Reframe app in this space for a long time now. It's, very, very, it's a pleasure to meet you. Yeah, same, Paul. Thank you very much. In 2024, we've never had more options to quit drinking. I feel like in 2010, when I first entered the sobriety world, it was almost AA or bust. And I love the program of AA, so I'm not dogging it. I also feel like in 2015, it was like LaCroix or bust in terms of fizzy water options. But in 2024, my goodness, the NA beverage world is exploding. And I'm so excited to be part of that. You as well, the consumer, dictates where this industry goes. So I appreciate your support in our collaboration with Go Brewing. Again, I cannot wait to see what doors this open or what direction this takes Recovery Elevator. All right, Recovery Elevator, go big because eventually we'll all go home. I love you guys. Mm-hmm.